Coming up on episode three of Off Air with Joe and Oral, we've got Clayton Kershaw joining us as the first official guest of the show. And Dave Roberts give us an update on a lot of the players. Uh, and as we promised, Oral, I think episode one we talked about this, but we now have an official theme song of the show. We sure do. From Frankie Moreno, a good friend of mine here in Vegas. Frankie's a five-time headliner in Vegas and one of the top artists around. And you guys met a long time ago, right? Yeah. You guys have been buddies for a while. He was a fan of the Dodgers and a fan of mine. I met him at the AT&T golf tournament with a wide right tee shot that all of a sudden he was there and I signed his autograph. Years later at a piano bar here in Vegas, sat at his piano, became friends. He had a CBS record contract. He's a big time guy. So you got to listen to this song. He's fantastic. Yeah, we got no choice. We're going to play this song right now <laughs> on episode three. It's the debut of Frankie's theme song, and it's Clayton Kershaw coming up right now. So here we go. The first official guest of Off Air is Clayton Kershaw. Clayton, I was going to thank you no matter what, but I feel like I need to thank you doubly because you're doing this, even though oral big time both of us the other day when we when we okay. asked you, we didn't hear from him for a week. You're right. You're right. You know, I would. Uh, I was. I didn't expect it, but you know what? I'm still here, so it's all good. All good. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, what is a day in the life at the Kershaws during the quarantine like? How are you guys hanging in? Yeah, we've got a little, we got a pretty good routine going. It feels, you know, it feels a lot like the off season, you know, other than, you know, we don't really leave the house, but it, it pretty much feels like off season other than we're not really supposed to be here. So um, we wake up and um, I kind of wake up with the two older ones as Ellen is with Cooper and, um, and then, you know, they kind of do school while I work out in the morning. And then um, I kind of work out and throw up until like noon. And then, just dad life, man. You know, like we've been swimming a lot. We've been, uh, what else have we been doing? Uh, playing a lot of sports, playing a lot of games, just kind of doing whatever we can to pass the time. Did it take you a little bit to settle into a structure? Cause I know how you're wired. You've got to have some kind of structure to your days. Yeah, it's hard. You know, I think, you know, anytime the season starts, it's hard to kind of get into that routine of the season. And then once you get going, it's awesome. And then same thing when you come home for the off season, it's like, what are you supposed to do with your day and um, how you're supposed to do it? And then you find that routine. So it was no different. You know, I was in the spring training mode like everybody else. And then you come home and kind of just have to re uh, have to pivot. And, you know, hopefully we can pivot again soon back to baseball life. What was more, what is more fatiguing uh, the workout or chasing the kids around in the second half of the day? I tell you what, the, <laughs> it is, you are always on your feet. That is for sure. I was joking with, uh, I was joking with uh, maybe AJ uh, the other day, just how it might be more tiring to be home during like this time than actually playing the game. So, um, but it's been a lot of fun and, you know, Cooper, our youngest is three months now and um, getting to see him every single day is something I wouldn't get to do. So there's definitely some blessings with it for sure. 
It's uh, yeah, it's amazing, but zero breaks now. Doesn't it give you like a whole new appreciation for, for what Ellen does getting no breaks and for what the very full-time parents do every single day of the year normally? Yeah. Stay at home. Mom is no joke. And uh, oh. yeah, Ellen, Ellen's a rock star with it. So it's uh, definitely trying to help out, but yeah, I definitely sometimes just kind of walk into the garage and give myself five minutes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed that your choice yeah. of TV selections a little different with the kids around? <laughs> Yeah, you know, we, uh, yeah, we, our TV time is kind of like in the morning as we wake up. So we've been watching uh, Rescue Riders. That's our one. It's about some dragons. It's kind of like How to Train Your Dragon TV show. So I'm getting into that one. I, nice. uh, I kind of like that one. There's some ones that I haven't been great on, but I kind of like that one. Joe probably knows what I'm talking about. Oral, you're yeah. probably not there right now, but Joe. No, no grandkids yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's the favorite princess in the house these days? Man, you know what? It might be. It's kind of sad to admit, but. Callie is maybe growing out of her like yeah, she, uh, dress up phase. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still, you know, we've been doing a lot of beading, um, just kind of like beading necklaces, putting names of people on necklaces. And so we can give them to people, drop them off on doorsteps and stuff, kind of something to do. Um, but I'm so bad at it. And anyway, it's just sad that um, kind of the Disney imagination create, you know, it's kind of, uh, she still loves it, but she doesn't nearly dress up or like go pretend as much as she used to for sure. I know a sad stage for me was when my oldest moved from the crib to the bed for the first time. I didn't anticipate this being something that struck me when she stopped doing the dress up because she is all in on it right now. I mean, it's a different princess every like 10 minutes. Yeah, I know. It's a good phase for sure. You know, is anybody into ping pong like you're into ping pong in the house? No, you know what? It's uh, no. I mean, Ellen will play, <laughs> with, Ellen will play with me. Um, I have high hopes for Charlie. You know, I, I think he'll get there someday. Um, but yeah, no. Where'd your love for ping pong start? You know, that was kind of like, I mean, as cool as we were in high school, but that was kind of like our thing. Like Friday and Saturday nights, we'd, uh, we'd, <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd system link Halo and play ping pong. So, um, you know, not, <laughs> not a crazy Friday or Saturday night, but we had a ton of fun. Did you wear special outfits back in high school? <laughs> like no, you do we now? Didn't do yeah, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. But uh, where did those ideas? Where did that originate? The ideas the, of coming up for the like the Kershaw Challenge outfits. You had the the shorts man. that were like a black tie. You've done yeah, my romper, Ninja Warrior. My romper? Yeah. Um, thanks for <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. Um, it was uh, no, I don't know. I think just the first year, you know, ping pong charity event. You kind of you know, what are you going to wear? And I think everybody that comes to the event isn't exactly sure what to wear to like a chair. It is a charity fundraiser, but you're also on a baseball field and you're playing ping pong. What are you supposed to wear? So I just wanted to set the bar right there. You wear a 1980s, you know, aerobic (laughs) outfit. You did. Hey, so the the event this year was going to be a few weeks from now. It was supposed to be, I know obviously not happening now. You guys are doing a few things to make up for, for what we lose in terms of, um, you know, flow to the, to the charity, uh, currently, right. I saw some zoom calls that you're setting up. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting good at zoom guys. So, uh, we're doing, we're just trying to do a matching campaign. We've got a, one of our beneficiaries in LA and Dallas. Uh, so we're doing two different beneficiaries, but they're both doing great things for COVID relief right now. And, um, the one in LA is the dream center. Obviously JT does a lot of stuff with them and, um, anyway, we're just doing a matching campaign. So any donation for these next, I think we got six days left or so. Um, we're going to match it and it's going straight to dream center and um, straight to a place called behind every door in Dallas. They're doing a lot of meal programs for people that might not be able to have it during this time. So it's been great. The, the uh, support has been unbelievable. And 
I've got a few Zoom calls lined up, and uh, I, it'll be fun. It'll be great. Let's shift things uh, a little bit, Clayton, to baseball. You know, when we – I think back to spring training, and obviously nobody was even talking about coronavirus when we got to spring training. But you get into it, and it very quickly you – know, I think we, a lot of us read the ESPN.com article where the writer was with you on the day that it happened, and it, it shocked you like it kind of shocked everybody. It just nailed us. For me, when I think back to spring training – one of the big bummers for me was thinking about looking at you and how happy you looked and how healthy you looked. You know, like, I know you're a happy guy, but you looked especially happy and, and ready to go. Yeah, I was, uh, I was fired up about this season for a lot of reasons. You know, the, the team that, um, that we had coming back, the guys that Andrew brought in, obviously, and um, we were built to do something really special and, and we still are, you know, and hopefully something gets going and we get some type of season, but yeah, just for myself personally, it's uh, you know, first off season where I really had a chance to make some gains, um, you know, physically and um, let everything, I had enough time to kind of let my body heal, but then also really push it in the off season and really felt like I made some strides. Felt like the ball was coming out better than it has in a few years. And, um, I was, I was excited about the year and still am and still feel good. Arm still feels the same as it did in spring training. So hopefully it continues on whenever the season goes, but yeah, man, it's frustrating. We were all getting revved up to go and, um, getting the parachute pulled fast, but, um, yeah, we're, we're excited for whatever season might happen. It feels like if we get a season going that we can figure out the on the field stuff, it's the off the field stuff. That's going to be hard. I know. I know. I, uh, I know. I think there's a lot of people smarter than me figuring all this stuff out, but um, hopefully something logistically makes some type of sense, you know, and, you know, us as players, I think we're all understanding this season's not going to be like any other that we're going to have or that we've ever had before. So willing to make some, you know, drastic, you know, adaptations to our routine schedule, whatever it may be. But, you know, there's obviously some things that you don't want to take for granted when it comes to major league baseball, you know, you put a certain product out on the field every year, um, guys playing at the highest caliber possible, but, um, there's just certain things that if you change the way the game's played, or if you change guys, you know, different things, it, it might affect the product on the field. So you just got to be careful with that. But, uh, I think we're all hopeful that something gets going soon. Uh, you, you've been vocal about the fact that the, the Phoenix quarantine is not something you'd be down with. There've been more ideas floated, like three yeah. cities, Phoenix, uh, Dallas and Miami. Can there be a happy medium to it where we do something like that for a month or two as we ease back and then expand? I don't know. I mean, I think it's all medically driven at this point as to what makes sense for the safety of everyone. But um, it's not that I'm against going to Phoenix. Um, I just, I didn't want to be quarantined for four or five months. Like if we need to be quarantined for a little while to get this thing going, you know, I think that's understandable, but um, I think it would be hard to get a full group of players to say, Hey, go stay in a hotel for five months by yourselves and play the game. Um, I just don't see that happening necessarily, but I don't know. I could be wrong also. And then I think everybody underestimates how hot Phoenix is. Yes. <laughs> it's just, yes. Yes. I mean, it's a, it's a small, it's a small thing that I think we could get over, but if you're playing a one o'clock game and surprise uh, and it's 120 degrees, it's going to be, it's going to affect the product on the field. So. Um, it's just, a just another small thing logistically that we'll have to, a hurdle that we'll have to get through. But, um, once again, still hopeful. And I feel like it's somewhat picking up steam right now. So it's kind of cool. If it was a normal season, as far as off season, going into spring training, spring training, and then the season, where are you on that spectrum as far as working out and trying to stay on hold? 
Yeah, it was, I think that's been the hardest part of just like uh, not having a date to shoot for is like, and trying to uh, do your workouts and your throwing accordingly. Um, so basically when I came home, I was still just kind of full go, you know, throwing every day, lifting like I would. And then the past two weeks, I've kind of taken it a little easier, um, only thrown four days a week and kind of did some lighter workouts um, just to try and, you know, if this season goes longer than it should, just to try and be able to maintain it throughout. And then this past week, uh, I've started to ramp up again this week, these past two days. And, um, you know, with the thought of a potential maybe, you know, July start date or something like that, you know, just that's kind of what's in my head. Um, but is there, yeah, a catcher, is there a catcher when you throw? You're throwing into a net. You don't get the pop of the glove. Do you get the adrenaline? Yeah, well, I, there's one other guy that I throw with every once in a while, but a lot of backyard throwing as well, too. You know, hopefully, um, you know, Texas is kind of one of those states where it's an April 30th stay at home order. So hopefully within a week or so, we might be able to get some more movement. But um, I have a little bit of space in the backyard. I can get out to like 70 feet. So I've been doing that quite a bit. How weird would it be to play with no fans? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I think uh, it would just be so – it would be so different. Um, just You're hearing every little thing. Yeah, it's like – I mean, even in spring training games when there's, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 fans, it feels quiet at times, you know. And uh, I just with no one, it would be just so crazy. But – um, I think the one, I think the adrenaline part of it will definitely affect a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I can barely throw, you know, 80 miles an hour in a bullpen with no <laughs> adrenaline. So it's like, you're going to have to find it somewhere because otherwise it really will favor hitters because those guys can hit homers all day in batting practice. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, it's tough. It's tough for us to like gain our full velocity and our full, you know, movement of our pitches with no adrenaline. It's amazing, though, we watch you kind of get yourself worked up, whether it's to go out, play, catch down the left field line, or it's a bullpen session, or it's spring training in front of, you know, 50 people standing around or getting ready for a game. We see you kind of get yourself into a mental lather to get it going. That'll actually be that extra work if there's no fans. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You have to, you know, as hard as it is to, like, kind of lock in on a spring training game or something like that, just because the games don't really mean anything. I try and simulate it as best I can because that's kind of the best way to prepare for the season. But you're right. Like you're going to have to expend that extra mental energy, realizing that you got to focus on this. And you, this is, this, these games count. These are serious matters. And so once again, just some more logistical hurdles, mental hurdles that we're going to have to overcome. But, um, you know, we all want to play baseball and that's the bottom line. And I, I hope it works. I'm just thinking about how, how loud your angry yells are going to echo when there's nobody in the stands. <laughs> yeah. So better watch your mouth, Dad. Everything. I know. What if, Rich Hill was st- what if Rich Hill was still Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> might have to put Rich on HBO or something just to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you're not a guy, Clayton, that typically allows yourself to get real romantic, or at least publicly when it comes to thinking about baseball. With this extra time off, though, do you find yourself missing – the little things, you know, the sounds and the smells and and allowing yourself to be a little more romantic about the way you think of it. Yeah. I mean, I think just generally I miss it. You know, I just like, uh, it just, it makes me realize that like, I'm not ready to just be home every day, you know? And, um, I I just really want to play and I really enjoy, like, I used to think that I'd miss like the clubhouse and the guys and just being around, which I do. Like I miss that a lot, but 
I, I also miss pitching. Like I miss like that, that mound. I miss competing. I miss the throwing the ball and having a guy swing and miss. like, I miss all that. And so that's, uh, um, I guess somewhat reassuring for me that I'm still, you know, I still have a lot left in the tank and I'm still, you know, mentally into it as I ever have been. And, um, I, yeah, I just, I want to pitch. Now, this time off for me is, uh, I'm, I know I don't want to retire. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. you know you're getting too, a taste yeah. of what it's going to be like to be young someday and really young compared to everybody else. But as a professional athlete, our retirement comes early and there's a lot of life right. afterwards that you've got yeah. to find that passion, that love of wanting yeah. to go out there and fulfill something like pitching and competing and being in a locker room with the guys. Yeah, no doubt. I, uh, yeah, I'm not ready to think about post-retirement life right now. So I need, we need, I need baseball still for sure. Were you unsure though? Like, did you need this to convince yourself you, you had a whole lot more in there? No, I didn't like, I just never thought I'd have the chance, you know, I think you'd go into the off season and evaluate and, you know, I've, I've played with enough guys to know that, um, you don't retire unless you just physically can't do it at the level you want to do it anymore. Because if you walk away before, um, you might be ready to walk away. You have some regrets. And I've talked with enough guys. I've played with enough guys that I really respect and to know that you just got to keep going because it's such a special thing. And, um, obviously taking all sorts of things into consideration with family and whatever it may be. But if there's ever, if there's, if there's like ability in your body to still go out and compete at a high level, like you should still pursue that as best you can. And, um, I knew I had that, but the, the mental side of it too, just being around and still wanting to go to the field every day and get there early and all that stuff. I miss all that stuff. So, um, I don't know if I needed it, but it's, it's been great. It's been a good reminder for sure. And hopefully you never go through what I had to go through, which is feeling like you could still play, but the Dodgers didn't want you anymore. And that, <laughs> that gets hard at the end of the career. That's a transition yeah. that is really weird because, you know, I went into a negotiation and, and they said, well, you got to give us a hometown discount. I'm like, hometown discount. I could still really pitch and went on to pitch for a long time. But I hope the uniform never comes off you with the blue and the white. I was going to uh, say, let me speak for everybody and say, hopefully yeah, uh, he's not going to have a problem. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. you're right. There's it comes that time, you know, every team, you know, they're always looking to go. And so if, if you can't perform, you know, it doesn't matter any history you have. You just got to you got to perform. So uh, that, I'm excited yeah. to continue to do that that cross section of your willingness or wanting to still play and the cross section of how that fits with your original loyal club that you've been with forever. Uh, yeah. Everybody walks that line. No doubt. No how, doubt. About the, how about on the other end of it, Clayton? I, I've heard Oral tell the story a couple of times of when he first said to himself, I belong here. I can do this. Was there a moment like that for you early on in your time in the majors where you kind of took a deep breath and said, okay, I do belong. Thank goodness. Yeah. You know what? I actually talked about this today. I had another zoom call with, uh, Jamie Wright and, uh, Donnie Alexander, um, you know, just some pitching guys in the minor leagues and they, they just wanted to talk pitching, which I really haven't ever done before. And I had a lot of fun with it, but they asked a similar question. And I mean, I really struggled, you know, I, I had a decent first start, but you know, there's like eight or 10 starts after that where I really struggled and, um, got sent down for a few weeks there and came back up and it wasn't really until the second year, uh, like almost the second half of the second year where I strung together some consistent starts that figured out that, you know, I, I need to be doing better than this. This isn't me. Like I, I'm better than this. I can do better. And um, it kind of coincided with me learning how to throw a slider. And mm -hmm. uh, that was, that was kind of the jumping off point for me, just having a third pitch, having something that 
I can throw behind an account, get some guys to swing. And, um, that was huge. And I, I remember vividly going into Joe's office, Joe Torrey's office and Donnie, uh, Mattingly was our hitting coach at the time. And they, I got called in and felt like I was going to the principal's office, which I kind of was. <laughs> and Donnie was like, Hey, these guys are hitting four something when you fall behind in the count. Cause you only have one pitch. If you fall behind in the count, you need to figure out a third pitch or we're going to send you down. That's what Joe said. And that, that next bullpen started trying to throw a slider and took it into the game. And, um, like literally from there, you know, it's obviously evolved some, but that's kind of how it got started. And that was kind of my jumping off, off point for sure. If you had to make a list of the things other than the slider that all of a sudden made the difference that you felt like you belonged or you could start repeating and doing well, yeah. would it be more mental maturity or physical maturity that you were getting stronger? Yeah. I mean, I think I, it was definitely both, but I think the mental side of it more than anything, I remember uh, getting scouting reports my first couple of years and like, really like spending a long time on it, probably too long, honestly. And like just seeing these hitters, like, man, I can't make any mistakes to these guys. These are really, really good hitters. And I just started nibbling and uh, you guys hear Cooper. I just started nibbling and kind of, you know, not being able to throw strikes because I fall behind because I wanted to be perfect. And, um, you know, after that, you know, after like a few, you know, really bad starts, we're just like, you know what? You just got to go compete. You got to know the information. You got to know strengths and weaknesses of these hitters, but it's still a competition. You still just got to go compete. And that helped me throw more strikes. That helped me be more confident. And I don't remember exactly how that happened. It was probably just an evolution of time. But um, man, I just. Was yeah, there a guy? I, was there a guy like on ESPN that was like a hero when you first faced him? You go, oh my God. You know, for me, it was like, oh my God, I'm <laughs> facing Johnny Bench. Yeah. I, uh, I pitched against Andy Pettit one game and that was, uh, that was, that was big for me. Um, yeah. Andy Pettit was like my guy growing up, you know, he's from Texas and, um, I just grew up thinking he was so awesome. And, uh, he, I got to meet him, you know, and super nice guy. I really enjoyed like just getting to talk with him a little bit. So getting to pitch against him, that was probably like my, like, wow, this is cool moment. You know, does that, that feeling you're talking about Clayton, where you, you, you for a moment early in your career were like wow can I get these guys out and then you kind of get over that mental hurdle and say I can and then you expect to does that come and go does that ebb and flow at all as you go through your career yeah I mean I think Oral can attest to that too is just it, you know confidence is very you know it comes and goes for sure but um you have to fake it sometimes you know even if it doesn't feel right you just got to you just got to force yourself to believe you're better. And, um, I think that's when, you know, I think that's some really good competitors because, um, not everybody's going to have their best stuff every game. And most of the time you're not. And so it's just a matter of trying to compete and never giving in and, you know, realizing that if you get your teeth kicked in, how you, how you deal with it is more important. And, uh, that's something that I try to remember a lot. Like in a month, let's say you make five starts in a month. Um, how many of those starts where it's just flowing out of your body? You don't have to make any adjustments. It's like coming so natural. How many of those starts are you battling inning to inning? And how many of those starts you, you just don't have it. You just got to compete. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely the dependent on the year, you know, some years, uh, <laughs> some years. Yeah. And health, you know, some years I feel like I've been good for, you know, 30 plus starts, honestly. And then sometimes, it comes and goes. Um, and then the last few years, it's been like, man, if I feel good, you know, I'm going to be good. Um, and then just trying to figure out how to feel good that day. And, uh, but yeah, it's definitely, um, 
those days where you don't have it is the mental side of it that is honestly more uh it's you kind of are more proud of those moments when you don't feel good you don't have your best stuff and you're able to continue to grind it out get a few outs for your guys and win the game somehow that's uh that's kind of a good feeling for sure oral you and i talk about this often clayton for us among the many things that stands out to us that we enjoy about watching you is it seems like you don't have those days, even though you admit that there are those days where you just don't feel like you have it. You fake it as well as anybody and you find a way. Like, is that something that you just have or have you had to learn how to do that? Or, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think I, the guys that I was around early, um, I remember, I remember Derek Lowe. That was kind of the first guy that I talked to coming up and really enjoyed just, watching him pitch, listening to him talk, because first of all, he never went on the DL. He made every single start all the time, always healthy, always working, always practicing, always getting better. And uh, I really appreciated that about him. It was just something that um, I, I really admired. And then I, there was one game in Colorado. He's a sinker ball guy, did not like pitching in Colorado. It was hard for him. And he gave up six runs, first inning, 54 pitches, and he went up to Joe and was just like, let me go. Like, just, I want to stay out here. Just let me go. Just let me go. I want to do this. I'm going to, and we ended up, I think we still lost, but he gave us five innings after that. And that just really resonated with me, just how important it is to continue to grind, just to continue to battle. Because if you, no matter if you're giving up runs or not, there's still a purpose for you to be out there. If you can give your team five or six innings on a bad day, like that will set you guys up for the next couple games. And you just can't give up. You get one start every five days. You just can't give up, man. You just got to go and, um, and just until you can't. And that's, uh, that's something I really admired in him. And, uh, there's a lot of guys like that out there that I enjoy watching. The way you go about your games and you never give up. Does that start even with taking the ball out of the ball bag and playing catch? Do you take that mentality of this ball in my hand for this very first toss? I have to have a purpose and I'm not going to give up. Yeah. I mean, playing catch for pitchers. I mean, that's, that's our work, you know, like I'll goof around in batting practice all day. I'll try to hit homers and uh, you know, just have a great time and, you know, muck it up with the guys and have a ton of fun, but um, you know, throwing, that is our job. Literally that's our job throwing a ball. So um, you can't take that for granted. And um, there's definitely days like day after you pitch or something, you might not be working on as much stuff, but um, bullpen days, long toss days, all that stuff. It's, it, there's definitely a purpose involved and, um, just trying to find that feel. I've never been a guy, you know, like I was always amazed with Rue, you know, Rue could just walk out of the room and just pitch. And it was just incredible, <laughs> his feel. And I never, I don't really have that. Like I need to be on a mound. I need to be throwing curveballs on flat ground. I need to be spinning balls to figure out, I need to throw balls with some intensity to make sure I can do it. And, I really think Hunjin could roll out of bed and throw a shutout. And that's just, it's incredible. Do you have a checklist in your, on your body? Do you like a mechanical checklist? This is how I turn my foot. This is how I lift my leg. This is where I turn my shoulders to. Maybe not that specific, but um, definitely like the feel of it. Like, man, that one felt good. Um, and what I continue to tell myself is if it doesn't feel good is just to stay on top of the baseball. And usually that irons everything else out, but, um, you know, just trying to throw the ball downhill, um, not push it, keep your elbow up, all that stuff. But um, if I start thinking about other stuff, I, I feel like I kind of lose. Um, I start thinking maybe a little bit too much. So my, my, my good cue is just to stay on top of the ball. That usually helps me out. 
how amazing was it when were you homered? everybody's so fired up for him that was awesome you got another one in you i do man i felt i do i really do i don't know what's going on i mean people are throwing harder and my bat speed's not getting any faster but um (laughs) i think i think i can run into one if i really cheat so i'm gonna work on it you go lighter lighter bat or heavier bat when you want to when you want to hit it yeah i mean i I kind of go, yeah, I have, you know, anything like 95 and above, I I try a smaller bat and I usually don't, I just kind of spread out and swat at it. And then anything, maybe if I feel good or it's a righty that I see, okay, maybe try to leg kick it, but it's, uh, it's definitely not a heavy battle. That's for sure. (laughs) We would like to think we spoke or used home run into existence by talking about it all last year before it happened. So we'll do the same for you. this Yeah, I need that. I need to double it this year. I need number two. Hey, we want to do uh, some quick rapid fire with you. We're just going to ask you a few questions, and the answer and all these will be one of your teammates, okay? Okay. All right. If you had to pick one teammate to babysit your kids. Blake Trinan. I was about to say strip, but that is not the right answer. <laughs> one teammate that you would never let babysit your kids. <laughs> um. Can I say Jock, even though he has a kid? Oh, I was going to say Jock for you to help you out. (laughs) Love that. Who's the loudest teammate that you hear when you're on the mound? Loudest. This is a very rapid fire. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Loudest. It might be Jock on that one, too. I hear Jock a lot. Okay. Who do you think when they retire, their body's going to change the most? Mm. can i say me on that one <laughs> are you gonna get back to, to dairy go. yeah i might uh i might get back to the offensive line style by that point <laughs> love that who has the worst taste in music worst taste in music it might be strip uh but i love it too though but it might be strip because we get into the we're in the weigh room at the similar time every day and he always wants blink 182 radio and it's uh, so good I, I mean, I love it too, but yeah. you know, there's, there's some haters out there. So who's Different got era. the biggest change from game face to off the field face or even the other way around from off the field face to their game face. Yeah. That might be you. The yeah. No, the field it, to might, the game I, face. It, it might be me. I, um, Cause I think of Chris Taylor, right? He's the same on the field as he is off. He is pretty he low is. key. Corey, yeah. same kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, it might have to be me. I guess uh, Barnsey, Barnsey changes. Oh big yeah, oh, Barnsey's yeah. big change for sure. Yeah, and if Rich Hill was still here, yeah, Rich yeah, Hill is the answer. Sure. Who's yeah. most likely to run for office after they play? I mean, I think Strip is probably the easiest answer, but um, I think JT might have a chance if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. I think he could do it in LA. I think he he's got the backing for sure. And then we, uh, not as rapid fire on this one, but we, we each week talk about you know, with all the bad that's going on in the world, the best thing that we saw this week. How about for you, Clayton? What was the best thing you saw this week? Yeah, so there was a couple things. Um, so last Saturday, there's this guy that um, he, he has a normal job now, but he used to be in a band around our neighborhood, and they hooked up a tow truck or a trailer to their uh, pickup truck. And he put his amp and his guitar in the back and drove around the neighborhood playing. That is and, awesome. Uh, yeah. So all the neighbors, you know, you come out and he just kind of plays up and down the neighborhood and 
um, man, our kids loved it. And he, he played an extra song cause we had like five or six kids on our block and, um, man, he, they, it was, that was so cool. And just, I mean, I think everybody just kind of needed that. That was just a really special thing. And, uh, another thing our neighborhood did, which was really cool was, uh, is about the, we're going on a bear hunt, that book. And so all the moms or all the, all the families around here emailed and said, like, everybody put a stuffed bear in your window. And then when you drive around, let your kids count how many bears there are. And so we're going on a bear hunt. Like our kids went around, went to find all the bears. So that was, that was pretty cool too. That's so good. I'm going to spoil yeah. mine. I was supposed to wait for, until Doc joined us, but mine is that Oral got a big green egg. So Oral's <laughs> going to start smoking meat like I do. Are you a griller? I saw that steak you did, Joe. Yeah. That was, what do you think, man? Uh, it looked good. good. Looked Thanks. really good. You doing that? I think I've I've grilled more this quarantine than I had in like years. So it's uh it's been fun. We've enjoyed it. And Ellen, like she's been like meal planning and cooking, and it's uh that is one like positive is that you get to have like a family dinner every night. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, this has been been the most home cooking I've had during baseball months ever. <laughs> ever, yeah, for sure. And more to come. Clayton, we really appreciate it. It's good to catch up with you. And I hope that we all get to see each other in person here sooner rather than later. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Big guy. From Clayton Kershaw to Dave Roberts for our weekly visit with the skipper. Doc, how are you? Guys, I'm doing great. Um, I I, I got a workout in today. Uh, I need need to. So that was good. I need to perfect my uh, margarita. I've been doing a little research on a, on a margarita, so um, I've got my quarantini down. So Ooh. I'm going to go margarita. So I'm I'm kind of scouring the the internet to figure out a good one. Is what the is quarantini? quarantini? Yeah, yeah, it's gotta yeah be a dirty that, one. That's my that's my dirty martini <laughs> with the quarantini spin. You still on Alex Toussaint hip hop thirty minute ride? So I'm on Alex Toussaint hip hop. Uh, Robin's been good to me. She'll kick your ass though. She will. She's yeah. unbelievable. And the thing is that I just don't get, and it's a little bit unnerving and frustrating is that they can, I'm like drenched and these instructors are, they're singing along, they're dancing, they're calling you out and then they haven't broken a sweat. So it's crazy. She's right? like an ultra marathoner. Oh, Robin is that right? Is, yeah. That explains it a little bit. Right. Are you a scale guy, Skip? Do you get on the scale? Uh, you know what? Uh, or working yeah, out. I am. I am now. And, and so it's funny <laughs> is that once I once I had a two handle on my weight when it was above two hundred, and I saw that that was the point of like I got to do something about myself. So I'm back under that number, but I, I am guilty of when I wake up. It's the scale is like first thing in the morning. Yeah. Because because it's not going to be late at night, so it's the morning. But I don't do it daily. But I I I mess with it. But yeah. Uh, so you know, a couple of weeks ago, Oral told us that he was most excited to stop eating badly and get on track and really really dive into the diet. Guess what Oral did this week, Dave? <laughs> he what bought a big Oral? green. Do I he bought know? a big green egg. <laughs> no way. Yeah, so much is... for that diet. No, oh, like, I got it to God. grill vegetables. Sure you did. <laughs> hey, well, watching Joe's cooking show, I mean, I- I'm very motivated to do that too. So I've been on this like pizza oven kick and there now you can kind of, you don't have to commit to getting the one built in so you can kind of buy it and yeah. and it heats up quicker. So, but I've seen that egg that Joe's been dominating. So I- I'm kind of now wavering. Yeah. The egg is uh, intimidating. I had my little $13 or $23 grill that I got at the grocery store for this pandemic time. 
And then uh, Joe and I's relationship is going to go to a deeper level now. I don't know if it's possible, but it's about to. Yeah, we're both eggheads now. That was, for me, Dave, the best thing I saw this week was Oral texted me a picture of uh, like a PDF, said, how's this look? I'm like, what is this? And it was this itemized receipt of all the the the, the green egg and then all the accessories, as they call them, that he was getting. <laughs> So I'm pretty fired up about that. That was my best thing. What was yours? My best thing I, I, I saw um, that, that many did see um, was the Jordan, the last dance. I, oh, mean, I thought good. that was legit. Um, obviously, one of our owners with the Dodgers, Peter Goober, uh, it was his, uh, his, his company uh, that was behind it, and he was a producer. And they just did a really nice job. And so obviously the greatest of all time, in my opinion, and just kind of see the inner workings and some of the footage that I didn't real, realize, it was, it was pretty cool. Oral, did you watch it? I did watch it, yes. So uh, good. It was so good. And I, you know, because we can binge watch right now, right? So I right. was so disappointed when we couldn't watch the next episode. It's like, we got to wait a week? Yeah. I know, and it's like, like, it went by fast. Yeah, you know, and it was an 6. hour. 6.1 million viewers or something. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I, I love that. That was great. And then another show, I know, uh, Joe, I'm only supposed to give you guys one thing, but I love that show, Songland. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Tenor, I think is his name. He's a, he's a singer-songwriter, and he's good friends with Chase uh, and Jen Utley. And it's just something that's never been done in the sense of it's a show, it's a reality show, but then you get these singer-songwriters that perform their own songs, and then uh, Ryan and a couple other sing- uh, writers, musicians, and, and then there was like uh, uh, Lady Antebellum, there was another, there's different people that then try to critique it, and they come back and then try to clean it up and, and make it better, and it's really, really good. I hadn't heard of that. What do you got this week, oh? Uh, you know what? This one's kind of off the beaten path, but Dave knows about this. You know, you have kids all the time that you're introduced to and, Hey, can you help my son? Hey, can you do this? And you do it out of the goodness of your heart. And sometimes you strike up a relationship. So back in 2017, I was introduced to this young man, uh, that was a sophomore in high school and he's throwing 80 miles an hour. And I didn't see much there at all, but I did, you know, I said, send me your videos and, and, and your throwing program and I'll coach you up. I've been coaching him up for the four years or so, and he's going to go off to college. And he went from 80 to 84 to 88, and he just sent me a video and the radar gun, and he's throwing 97 miles an hour. Oh, and my god! introduced him to our scouts, Dave. Don't worry. Well, thank you for that. Or who needs driveline when you got Oral Hershiser? No, man? no. I don't, yeah. I, well, he's gone from like, you know, 5'10 to about 6'4, and, you know, he's Helps. gone from like 140 pounds to about, you know, to 200 so it's he's a it's a young man it's going to be a prospect but it's kind of fun i've you know never been through this in life to see somebody you know really what that's just like so that. cool the oral and, and you talk about that and we have people that come to us and, and you know joe's on his way to the hall of fame so he's going to have the same thing but it's like the the impact that you can have on people and and obviously the velo ticked up but i think that this kid can look back and go man oral took time to help me and those are things that I just love, that pay-it-forward kind of mindset. I love that. On a day-in and day-out basis, still up in the broadcast booth, Joe schools a lot of kids. He gets letters or he'll get, a, you know, somebody will reach out some way and uh, yeah. they come up and he, he lets them shadow him. So I've seen that over the years. Probably a good 10 different kids have been up there. Well, because guys, how many times did we have somebody do that for us when we were getting to where we were trying to go? And I know for me, I said at that time, 
if I'm ever lucky enough to get to where I want to go, I'm going to be sure that I pass these things along and that I give back. It almost feels like my duty, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same way for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny is that I think it sounds, you know, people redundant or people say it, but, you know, we, when we do give, we get more out of it than the people that, that receive it. And, and that's just the fun part. And you, know, you have a certain platform and an opportunity. And that's why I just love this form right here. Even, you know, it's just, we can just be authentic and just talk and have a conversation and it kind of goes in a lot of different directions. And, and, and it appeals to so many different people that can get little nuggets and just kind of hear, uh, you know, inside the inside scoop. So it's kind of cool. So one of the things that, that when that happens to me, and I know it happens to you guys, I don't always think it's our great advice that makes these people progress, but it's eye-opening to them of how much work it takes. When, when a young man looks at Joe's tablet or computer and sees all the work that he put in before a game and all the research in the off-season, their eyes just open up like, oh my gosh, you know, I thought I could just get in front of the microphone and learn how to talk and do a baseball game. And then Joe shows him his pregame routine and everything. And we know as ex-players, Dave, the work that it takes to, to get better. It does. It does. And you know, it's funny, Oral, you say that is that Trisha just told me, my wife, Trisha just told me um, yesterday that she ran into Joe and Libby at one point in the airport, maybe just Joe. And um, he was coming and traveling and uh, she showed him, he showed uh, her and my son, his worksheet or preparation thing. And it was like, Trisha goes, he could have launched a spaceship with all the information that he had. (laughs) And it's all color coded. And that's just for either one game or one series or something. But to kind of be able to, you know, reference all that stuff and to make it his own. And you, Oral, I know you do the same thing. It's crazy. And for me, like with the game and all the, some people can kind of look at all the stuff that you guys see that's on my desk and it's just crazy how much information we get and what it takes to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. Has the way that you prepare for games evolved? Like as you, because I know for me, I'm becoming more and more efficient or I try to become more and more efficient in my preparation all the time. Yeah, I think for me, it's more of, you know, bring it on. And then, but I think that as time goes on, you start to understand what information is most pertinent and um, some stuff you can look back on and it's just not as relevant, but some stuff kind of changes day to day. So I think that's just more trial and error. Yeah. And most of the stuff you prepare for and your relationship is about players. And I know you're communicating with players now. Check in with any of the guys lately and any fun stuff going on? So uh, I I checked in uh, with numerous guys and Joe Kelly, uh, I don't know if you guys know, he just had twins. So um, uh, Ashley's doing well, um, boy and a girl. So so Joe is uh, in a good place. So he's not breaking windows. Right now, uh, throwing aside, so he's tending to his uh, his two little babies, and I caught it with Kenley, and I asked, asked him to send me this video. So he sent me this video of him moving or pushing this, lifting and throwing this like big old tire uphill in front of his house. I'm telling you, it is unbelievable. And then conversely, he sent me this video of him playing the prayer with uh, that Celine Dion. Um, Bocelli thing. So he sent me because I said I I got to hear your piano lesson. So he's playing piano now, and he's actually pretty good. He just picked that up during the quarantine. He picked it up last year, and he just said, "Doc, I just need something different, some diversion, because baseball is just all consuming, and I need an outlet, which is very kind of great thinking." And so he hired some instructor and brought him brought her to the house, or he or she, and 
taught him and he just took to it. So he ended up bringing this portable keyboard on the road, practicing. And I'm telling you, he's just, he looks really good just handling those ivories. And it just, the sound is fantastic. I'm trying to picture like the neighbors looking outside. Can you imagine watching Kenley Jansen throwing a giant tire up your street? Just looking oh my up, God. You know, seeing that. And then you had Gianni, Johnny, his wife, just like videoing and like pushing him on saying, <laughs> you need to do this. Let's go. And it's, it's just the funniest thing. Uh, and talking to Clayton, that was like the hardest part of this so far, as far as staying in shape. He says the motivation, the no time frame, the, all the different things that could be happening. Yeah. You know, I, 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 and I think that it's easier for me because I think the physical part of it, and I think that we all work in a world where far as players, you know, once the off season hits, there's that kind of detach, decompress, then you get through the holidays and then you start kind of thinking about it. Then you got the itch and then you're ramping up physically and we know the target date. And now guys are just kind of in that area where they still don't know what to do. And talk to Chris Taylor and and he's out there trying to surf when he can and take swings when he can. Corey's in the same boat. They're both in Los Angeles doing what they can with social distancing restrictions. But again, Max Muncy's beside himself on trick, trying to figure out what he can do and ramp up and how much they, they need to ramp up. I actually have it on good authority that Corey Seager has spent the last 34 days in a row in a batting cage, has not left. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't surprise me. If yeah. there's anybody that I think that would camp out um, and his fiance is going to have some words about it, but Corey would be the guy that I could see just pulling up in a batting cage. And I don't yeah, worry about I don't up. worry about Max Muncy because we got him off the couch without a job, and then all of a sudden he became Max Muncy when he put on the Dodger uniform. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah. So, so if can, anybody can do that, I he guess can Max sit can do out. That. He'll be fine. He can hit fall. You know, he can hit right away. Doc, what are you hearing? Uh, give us something to because like it's just nothing but bad news out there. Give me something, some reason to believe we're going to see baseball. Well, I will tell you this. Um, there was a manager call uh, a few days ago, uh, all 30 managers, uh, Chris Young, who's uh, part of the commissioner's office now, former uh, teammate of mine, uh, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, on the call. And he was just very optimistic. Obviously, things can change, but I, but I will tell you this, is that there's been a lot of talk about different scenarios, and I don't know what scenario is going to play out. but He's hopeful on their side. The players' union very hopeful. So obviously, getting our ducks in line. Uh, so when we do get the green light to kind of move forward, and I think that you know you got to be careful about not prioritizing the health of our country. But I do think that there is something to get the economy going, and and people need baseball. And you and I, we we've talked about it, Oral and and Joe, and so. So I can just, my takeaway was that I'm encouraged that there's going to be baseball this season. It seems like there's three different categories, and you can tell me because you're on those calls, but you've got the on-the-field game, you've got the off-the-field like accommodations, and then you've got the schedule. Like, what's the schedule going to be? What On those calls, do you get a feel where the biggest challenge is? I think the biggest challenge is obviously the go-ahead to move forward by the, by the president, the government. And the other thing is the testing. Mm. And I think that there's people right now that obviously need testing more than professional athletes or specifically baseball players. So in the coming weeks, we're hopeful that the testing will exponentially grow and, and be more accessible to everybody. So once that's sort of in place, 
Now you're starting to look about look at geography and where it could take place, spring training, how long do guys need uh, to ramp up, and it's kind of the 17 to 24 day is kind of the window we're talking about um, for pitchers and, and uh, position players. With the staggering of guys coming in to camp to kind of appreciate the social distancing or the staggering to kind of bring guys in, that's more as far as we sort of got. And, and there's a lot more layers, obviously. Um, but again, we're hopeful and, and the testing thing, I'd say, Oral. That's a dream of a time when we get to go to big league cities again. And I'm using that. It's in the business, what we call a segue. Segue to our top four this week. Top four road cities, Doc. Start with number four. Okay. Top four road cities. I will say um, Seattle at number four. And um, it's, it's obviously, it's a great city. I just, I don't get a chance to go there as much as I used to. But Fisherman's Wharf, being, being down there and seeing the original Starbucks and catching a fish. Uh, I love the ballpark. The, the, uh, the clubhouse in relation to the dugout is great. And I still, to this day, when I do go there, and at times, I still order the Copper River Salmon, and I just get it sent to my house. So it only runs a certain time of year. So when you can get it, um, it, it's just amazing. And my number three is, I'll just put it number three. It could be higher, but San Diego, because it's it's home. I can sleep in my own bed. Mm -hmm. So I like that commute. Um, Number two, I'm going to go... Pittsburgh, a little uh, curveball for you two guys. I love Pittsburgh because I love walking to the ballpark. I love to go over the bridge and uh, you see the ballpark. The skyline is amazing when you look out into center field and then the, the, uh, the skyline's there. Um, the restaurant's really sneaky. I love that Hyde Park and I had a chance to meet uh, a childhood hero of mine. I was a Steeler fan growing up. So Franco Harris was in there one night. And uh, I got a chance to talk to Franco Harris, so that was pretty cool. Hmm. And my last one, number one, I'm going to go the Windy City, Chicago, and a couple reasons. Being in the National League, we get the day games, so I have a chance to go to dinner, which is fantastic. A lot of good options. A lot of great options. And a good friend of mine is this guy named Kevin Bame, who's uh, Boca. He's a restaurateur, and he owns it like a dozen restaurants, he and his partner. And so just the shopping, playing a day game at Wrigley is it's why it's my number one. What are a couple of those uh, hot spot restaurants? I, I love Boca. Okay, I love a uh, Girl in the Goat. Is Haven't a great been. one. I, is that coming to L.A.? Did I hear there? It's it's coming to L.A. It's oh, coming to so L.A. Good. But right now, with with the kind of the climate, I don't know. But the plan was for it to come to L.A. And boys, when we go to Chicago next time, I got gotcha. you. Deal. We could, we could do the podcast from the restaurant. We could. Oh, yes. <laughs> That'd be fine. We will have to rent it out, of course, so it's quiet. And But Doc said he's got us. So oh, I got you. I got you, man. Hey, is perfect. wine drinking allowed, too? Is that okay? I think we can do that. It's a makes okay, the, the podcast the constructs of a, of a podcast, I don't know what, what goes and what, what oh, doesn't. Play. Anything. Goes. As long as it's red. <laughs> red wine. In. Doc, yeah. always fun, my brother. All right, boys. Take care. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys... uh have a great week, and then I'll, we'll catch up soon. Talk to you next week. So Dave gave us his top four. Time for our top four road cities. What's number four for you, O? 
Mine's a sleeper, but it appeared on Dave's list. It is Pittsburgh. The walk across the bridge, the ballpark. It's a sleeper town for foodies. I really like that place. Number four for me is San Francisco. We go there a bunch and it's always cold, but really good restaurant town. And you're going to find on this list, that's pretty much what dictates it. <laughs> exactly. My next one, number three, is is Chicago. Wrigley Field, day games. Uh, I love Wrigley Field. It's amazing to walk down tunnels that you know Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb did and to play there and still see the ambiance there. So I just love Chicago. And they've redone it, right? It's, it's getting even nicer there. So you get the ambiance, the restaurants, yep. and the parks are even a little nicer now. But for me too, that's one of my favorites. We're going to get there though. My number three, and I debated, do I do just nationally? Because it feels weird to include this next place on my list because I've only been once and we only go every five or six years. Toronto. Oh, wow. I had so much fun when we went in 2016. Mm-hmm. You remember that trip at all? Oh, yeah. I loved Libby Toronto. Libby was there. When I, yeah. When I, and when I worked for ESPN, I got there and the, the late night hot dogs on the, on the streets are great. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Uh, what's your number two? San Francisco. Sorry, you uh, Dodger fans. That just an amazing place. I just love San Francisco. If you don't like the weather, just wait about five minutes or walk about ten blocks. Yeah, uh, and and I didn't mention it when I when I gave San Francisco, but the park there too. I think yeah. everybody knows is, is a special place. Number two and the for vibe me too, right? Yes, for sure, for sure. It's great envir- great environments in there. They've obviously not been as good the last couple of years, but. Uh, it's still a good environment anytime the Dodgers come into town. Number two for me is Chicago, and everybody's kind of laid out why that is. What's your number one? Number one is New York. I have to go New York, and not because of the stadiums, because I liked old Yankee Stadium better than new Yankee Stadium. I liked Shea because of all the memories and not City Field, but I just love the city. I love it too. Uh, restaurants, big part of it. I just of there's, there's something about the mystique of it. You know how it you can go forever and ever and ever and you never stop getting through the high rises and there's just something about you know being every every single block you go down i find myself pulling out my phone and searching this restaurant this hole in the wall place that i glanced at on a random uh residential block so it's just the never endingness of new york i love there are cities that you know we enjoy sleeping in you go and work out i still sleep in <laughs> I cannot sleep in in New York because there's just too much to too do much. and you just want to get out of bed and go explore. Do you have a favorite New York restaurant since we both answered New York? Uh, I shouldn't have done that because you usually don't, you, I won't say usually, a lot of times you don't remember the name, you just remember yeah, where. Park, and that you I like Park it. Bistro. Okay. It's a very small hole in the wall restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I shouldn't ask that question if I don't know the answer myself. That's I have right. a bunch of favorites. There's a zillion. Yeah. Uh, mailbag this week at Mad Huck Finn wants to know how the players and broadcasters deal with the gruel, uh, with the grueling 162 game schedule. I'll let you handle it from the players' perspective. Uh, the players' perspective, it is a grind, and you just get into these regiments of your schedule. Like we talk with Clayton Kershaw, and everything is so scheduled. I think that's one of the things that you have to learn. Being a minor leaguer to a major leaguer, there seems to be a little bit more. Not nonchalant, but fun at the minor league level, but it's all business and you got to get used to that mental grind. From a broadcaster's perspective, I think that establishing a routine that works for you, so similar to a player, and then something that uh, Pat Hughes, the Cubs radio announcer, passed on to me, that he said, I, I believe it was, it was Harry Carey passed along to him, and that is you have to attach a meaning to every game. Even when you, know, you get into the, the grind of the season where it's game 107, in the Dodgers' case, a lot of times they've already won the division. 
what does this game mean? You know, for the Cubs announcers all those years, it was, my gosh, they're 30 games out of first place. What does this game mean? And, and so finding a way to attach meanings to each game helps it uh, roll through. It's been so much easier for me being with the Dodger family compared to the national announcer with ESPN because I do have a rooting interest for the Dodgers and my heart is there. Where with the ESPN games, you were like the Goodyear blimp. You kind of float in, you do the game and you leave. And it was, you had to really work yourself up to be excited about that game and kind Mm -hmm. of almost two strange teams. We live it now, right? Like it is our life. Which is, it's, it's such a relationship, not only with our fans, but with the players and the front office and everybody. And yes, there are non-Dodger fans watching our games, and we try not to be biased Dodgers. We, we, we try and do it down the middle. But there's definitely a lot easier for us to find that meaning in each and every game. What are you most looking forward to in this upcoming week? Wow. Probably continuing my diet. Uh, and you know, and people have heard... Uh, that it's going to get worse with the green egg. Everybody has a diet. It's just what is that diet? Some yeah, good, I, some bad. Yours is about to change. I know. With the big green extra large egg and your cooking classes over the phone, and we'll be FaceTiming this week as you teach me how to light it and not ruin it. But uh, I'm looking forward to get on the green egg. That's actually mine too, is you beginning your smoking <laughs> adventure. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people that I have become significantly closer to just mm. because we, we share that in common. I didn't know it How was are we going to get closer? We're about to find out, buddy. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to starting my next book. I just read a really dense one that wasn't that exciting, but I was kind of on a roll and figured if not now, then when. Uh, 1776, an old history war book. So I got through that. Uh, it was good, but it's not a ton of fun. I'm going to read American Kingpin next, which has been recommended by many people. It's about Silk Road and the mastermind behind that, and the, uh, the government shutting it down. So I'm excited oh, to wow. dive into that. Okay. And next week's show, um, we are going to have another guest. And we are not going to tell you who that guest is now. We'll just tell you it's going to be a good one. Hit us up on social media, Twitter, Instagram. Take a guess who you think we're going to have this upcoming week. All we're going to give you a hint is that it's Dodger-related, and hopefully you're going to enjoy it. For sure. I'm going to enjoy it because I can't wait. I know who we're working on, and if he says yes, it's going to be awesome. Uh, that's uh, on Friday. You're going to be working on uh, pork shoulder up first, right? Nine, yep. seven pound, would you, seven pound bone-in pork shoulder, right? You know what? I, am I going to do it from room temperature or right out of the refrigerator? We will we'll handle this off air. Oh, next week. What? Literally off air, not in the show off air. I think off air <laughs> the show is done now. Oh my gosh, you're editing me already. Yeah. Love you. 